Hello again. Welcome to your weekly Tech Law 10. I'm Eric Sinrod from the San Francisco office of Dwayne Morris. I'm joined by um, Jonathan Armstrong, who's been flying across the planet and has just arrived back in the UK. Maybe he'll tell us a little bit about his adventure traveling. Uh, but Jonathan, I know while you were at 37,000 feet, you were thinking about the issue of how some companies just don't truly get social media, and I think perhaps you might be able to offer us an example uh, of that. Uh, yes, uh, and, and uh, thanks for that, Eric. Um, I have been on uh, holiday, as we say, vacation, as you say, and um, I've noticed that in the last couple of weeks, there's been quite a number of um, bad uses of social media in the holiday environment. We've seen cases in France and Berlin uh, uh, where um, uh, organizations have reacted badly to social media comment. In the German case, it's alleged that a hotel guest was effectively held prisoner for more than an hour for posting a bad tweet. And there's a, an interesting case uh, breaking at the moment of the Union Street guest house near New York, which had uh, until today a rather unusual policy for marrying couples, which said that basically a deposit was required from the bride and groom under the contract to hold their wedding at the venue, but a fine would be levied against the deposit of $500 for each negative review on social media posted either by the bride and groom or any of their guests. And the policy, the uh, terms and conditions said that it was up to the bride and groom to educate their guests on the venue and the proper use of social media. And to me, they've been uh, cases of merely academic interest. But uh, until yesterday, when I had a rather strange experience with uh, Lufthansa, and if you want to sort of pull up a chair, Eric, let me tell you the tale. Um, so um, <laughs> we had a bit of an incident, which I won't go into, with uh, Lufthansa. Not meeting, I have to say, for balance, their usual high standards. And the um, supervisor refused to give us the name of the duty manager at Denver Airport. So I said, well, if you refuse to give me the name, Lufthansa are pretty good with social media. I will tweet uh, Lufthansa's corporate account and ask for it. Um, at which she rather amazingly said, it is Lufthansa's policy that nobody is allowed to tweet about Lufthansa in the airport. And if you hit send on your tweet, uh, I will have you uh, arrested and I will call the police. And uh, she actually said that after I'd already sent the tweet. I offered to show her the tweet. All it said was, you know, I, uh, can you tell me who your manager is in Denver? But she still called the police and four armed policemen arrived um, and said, why are we here? This is utterly ridiculous. Of course, uh, tweeting isn't... Uh, it isn't a security issue in the airport. It was rather reminiscent of that Paul Chambers case that we talked about, though obviously in Paul Chambers' case, he'd threatened, however jokingly, to bomb the airport, whereas I'd asked if the manager could come to the desk, which is hardly a security issue. But it got me thinking that um, actually isn't, isn't it a bigger security issue 
to have staff who make up policies on the hoof because, as we all know, many organizations who try and compromise security will look for compromised individuals, either individuals who don't get the company's policies or uh, are prone to making things up. Now, in the interest of balance, it's important to stress that I reached out to Lufthansa's press department, and I'm assured by Helmut Tolksdorf at their corporate office in Germany that this isn't um, Lufthansa's policy, and indeed they've assured me that this was one, uh, it seems, mistrained or rogue uh, individual who's made up a policy that doesn't exist. But it seems to me it's another example of how organizations need to really truly live and breathe social media these days. It's, um, it's a bit like King Canute and the Tide. You can't say um, we don't do social media, and especially you can't say we ban our passengers, we ban residents at our hotels from using social media mm -hmm. because it just has, I think you call it in the U.S., the Barbara Streisand effect. It highlights the very issues uh, that exist. Social media isn't something that you can control, just like the tide isn't. And I think my personal experience, you're right, coming back um, uh, uh, you know, today has, has just highlighted that even more. Every corporation has to have a proper policy. By proper policy, I mean one that makes sense. It needs to be clear. Uh, individuals at every level in the organization need to understand it. Perhaps this individual wasn't, um, uh, I, I, I hasten to say this, but the top of the tree intellectually. So policies need to be in simple, clear language so that they can understand what the corporation's policy is. And there needs to be proper training. And when incidents like this happen, uh, and as, uh, as Mr. Tolksdorf has assured me, they need to be investigated properly and the, and the company needs to respond. And, and I'm very grateful for Lufthansa's assurances that this will happen in this case. And obviously, um, you know, when their investigation's complete, it might be something we talk about again, Eric. But I wonder if you're seeing those same sensitivities um, from my experience in Denver this week. I wonder if you're seeing more of these cases in the U.S. as well. Uh, yes, actually, you know, first of all, I want to compliment you for <laughs> making sense and being cogent after having just landed one hour after traveling across the world. <laughs> Good job there, Jonathan, and you were certainly on a roll. But, you know, I, I don't need to give any further examples, but yes, we're seeing the same thing. Hard to imagine one could be imprisoned or threatened for arrest based on a tweet. Um, and as I always say, and, and this follows up on your point, Jonathan, you know, education, education, education. I mean, plainly, the rogue employee you were referring to you know, was not following actual Lufthansa policy. That would just would not make any sense whatsoever. So the key is for companies, you know, as you say, you know, from top down to, of course, first have a very clear and concise social media, social media policy, but to ensure as best as possible that employees understand it and then also follow the policy, uh, you know, cr critically important. And then, you know, it also, you know, doesn't make sense, you know, for those, you know, employees who are not following the policy or, God forbid, there are companies that are out there that actually have, you know, policies that uh, would seek to, you know, prevent comment. Uh, it's basically going to create a boomerang effect. I mean, essentially, mm -hmm. if you're trying to stifle speech, 
when people want to provide comments or review of a company, uh, they're only going to fan the flames of a potentially negative comment, or they might stifle out potentially positive comments because people want to be able to you know, say what they want to say, and you know people do at least in our country have a First Amendment right to freedom of speech. Uh, they have mm. freedom of speech on the internet. They have freedom of anonymous speech on the internet, and we've talked about that too. Um, that doesn't go so far as allowing people to uh, defame and make false statements that cause harm. Uh, mm. They can do it, but then they're going to be subject to a lawsuit for any damages caused. But, you know, you bring up a, a good subject, and uh, I think you presented it uh, fairly and well, and hopefully it's of interest to our listeners. Anything further to wrap up, Jonathan? No, I, I hope so too. And and, and if uh, I, I'd be interested if people are seeing this, uh, as a trend, and and if they've got good or bad examples of how uh, companies and corporations are handling uh, the new world of social media, perhaps they'd drop us a line or join in the uh, LinkedIn discussion. And uh, it, it would be interested to see. My suspicion is these are no longer isolated examples, and we're seeing even the better-run companies not manage this properly. And uh, and I'd be interested to see if that you know anecdotal gut feel is correct. Yeah, and one last thing I want to say, Jonathan, is I'd like to urge companies not to be too paranoid of the one isolated negative review comment they might get. Mm -hmm. uh, I think consumers, when they go on the web and they look at uh, you know comments with respect to you know goods or services provided by a company, if there is a negative comment, but it's surrounded by fair and reasonable positive comments, I think most reviewers will say, okay, that's just an isolated uh, complaint. And frankly, I'm not going to give it much credibility. And I think people understand also that you know there can be negative comments made just because some people like to complain. I, yeah. I think when reviewers get concerned, let's just say hypothetically, Jonathan, for your trip, you were considering a hotel in Denver, and there were 15 comments that basically said the same thing. The rooms all are noisy. They're all situated right on top of the parking lot. You know, There's horns blasting all night long, and there's no insulation in the walls and every comment said that, that might cause concern. So if there are 50 mm. positive comments all about the hotel, and then there's one that complains about, you know, the carpet wasn't plush enough for my feet or something, there's not yeah. going to be much attention paid to it, don't you think? I, I think you're absolutely right. And, uh, and um, you know, when you're looking to check into a hotel, you don't check out your brain, do you? I think that <laughs> most people um, uh, are used to looking at, you know, on sites like TripAdvisor, it'll rank them and it'll give you percentages. And I think most people are used to looking at those graphs sure. now and thinking on balance, it's more positive than negative, I'll stay there. And I think you're right. absolutely right that um, that some companies are just too paranoid about the odd bad review. Sometimes the odd bad review shows that it isn't fake. And, and many businesses, hmm. um, I, I know in the airline environment, United, for example, um, make a play on their in-flight video of the team they've got to respond to uh, negative as well as positive comments on Twitter. And they're really investing in this as a business because I think sometimes it's not just the negative review, but it's how you respond to it as well. And, and many um, hospitality companies, for example, have professional social media people on TripAdvisor just responding to comments like this all the time. So I think right. you're right. It's 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 a management job like any other, isn't it? It is. Well, John, Jonathan, 
you know, great job. I hope you're ready to get some sleep at this point. It's it's early morning my time, but time for you to go to bed your time, especially after your international travel. So welcome back. Uh, we'll be coming back at you likely next week with our next Tech Law 10. I'm Eric Sinrod at DwayneMorris.com. EJ, well, Dwayne, Dwayne Morris LLP, also DwayneMorris.com on the net. Uh, I'm uh, at Eric, sorry, EJ Sinrod at DwayneMorris.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Jonathan, bring it home. Yeah, I'm Jonathan.Armstrong at CordryCompliance.com. Uh, it's been great to speak with you again. Do uh, join in with us on social media, comments, good, bad, or indifferent. And we'll speak to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye now. Yes, bye.